You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. I would assume that most of you would have walked into the room this morning saying, um, I, um, I came in with an understanding that the Word of God calls me to forgive those who have hurt me or who have offended me. I would assume that most of you would say, no, when I walked in the room this morning, I, I think I would have said, yeah, that's, that's what the Word of God teaches. I'm aware that God's Word calls me to that. And you might even say, I'm, I'm pretty sure that even Jesus in His own words uh, calls us to forgive those who have hurt us or offended us. And then, as if that's not enough, uh, Jesus demonstrates this on the cross. He has been beaten with rods. He has been whipped. He has had a crown of thorns crushed, pressed rather onto his head. He has been insulted, humiliated. And, and in the midst of all of that, Jesus says, Father, could we, could we just forgive these people for what they're doing? Usually, when I talk about forgiving others, people tend to react at some point. And sometimes the reaction is, Rick, you don't have any idea what I went through or you don't have any idea what happened to me. You, you don't understand what I've dealt with. And sometimes for years and years. And, and I admit this morning to you that I do not. And I would not pretend to and I would not insult you back in like I know what that's like. But there's someone who does. And his name is Jesus. And his words this morning can help us. So let's turn to the Gospel of Luke, shall we? Luke chapter 23. Luke 23 beginning with verse 32. Um, we'll put the words on the screen for you as well. We, we, we are just coming to the uh, crucifixion of Jesus. We're kind of uh, stepping into the middle of Luke's narrative about the crucifixion. You, you realize that a crucifixion was not an uncommon way to, to prosecute, rather, uh, to execute a criminal. Um, the reason that we are so aware of the cross is because of one man who was crucified, and that is Jesus. So we're kind of in the midst of that. The Word of God. Here we go. Two other men, both criminals, were also being led out with him to be executed. And when they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him. Along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. It's, it's almost like this phrase that Luke injects into the narrative. And as I read those words, I, I think to myself, I don't know how much life Jesus had at that point that he uttered those words. I don't know how his body kept him going into shock when I think about all he had endured. But it's in the midst of being crucified that he says, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. 
Then Luke continues the narrative. They divided up his clothes by casting lots. It would be like a uh, game of chance, like a rolling of the dice in a sense. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him and they said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he's the Christ of God, the chosen one. And the soldiers also came up and they mocked him and they, they offered him wine vinegar. And they said, if you're the king of the Jews, then save yourself. And, and there was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. I, um, I, was, I was asleep one night and I woke up to a ringing phone. And that's always kind of startling. I, I wasn't for sure what time it was. Um, it was just after one in the morning. And, and I'm fumbling around. And I probably jumped up too fast. And I don't know. It's kind of alarming to me. And sometimes when you wake up in the middle of the night like that, um, I jump up quickly. And then my heart is beating faster than it should. And I'm just trying to settle myself. And I'm trying to... Uh, think clearly and comprehend what's happening on the other end of the phone. And so immediately when I said hello, the voice on the other end said, Dad, it's Morgan. I can't breathe. You've got to bring me my medicine. And so I kind of knew what was happening. Morgan, I remembered, had spent the night with a friend. Um, She has this allergy thing to animals, especially cats. And we didn't know the cat was sometimes indoor. If so, we would have sent medicine or she would have thought to have taken it. But long story short, a cat had probably laid its head on that pillow or on that bed. And when she laid down within minutes, she was not able to uh, breathe well. And so I jump up and Annette's jumping up and Annette's got the medicine and she's saying, here, hurry, you got to get this to her. And so I'm putting on enough clothes to get out the door and I grab a phone and I get in the car, not really thinking clearly about, you know, being careful with the speed and not really thinking that, you know, policemen at that hour of the night, there's nobody else on the road much. And so they just kind of sat waiting for somebody to go speeding by. And so I was able to provide that for them that night. (laughs) So he pulls me over and he tells me how fast I was going and, and, uh, and he wants to see a driver's license, but before he had gotten in my car, I realized I didn't grab a wallet. And so I said to him, holding up the medicine, my daughter's in trouble. I, I kind of, you know, jumped up out of my sleep to run this medicine to her. And he goes, oh, that's no problem. I'll help you out. Just give me your social and I'll, I'll run your license. So I gave him my social security number and he comes back to the car and I'm expecting him to say, you know, go ahead. And instead he says, Mr. Harvey, we can't find a driver's license for you. (laughs) Oh, oh no, I have one. I have one. I I do have one. Um, It's it's current? Yes, it's current. And and he says to me, you you live near here just a couple of miles? Yes, Uh uh-huh. He said, if you want to get somebody to bring a license to you, uh, I'll work with you. But Mr. Harvey, if you can't provide me a driver's license, I don't think there's anything I can do for you. And he walks back to his car. And I'm thinking, what does he mean by the words, I don't think there's anything I can do for you? Am I going to spend the night in the big house? Is that what he's saying? <laughs> do I get to ride in the back seat of his car? What, what does he mean? I call Annette and I said, Annette, 
hurry up and bring my license. I told her where I was and she goes, oh no, I can't. I just took a, a Tylenol PM and I don't think it'd be safe for me to drive. I said, oh no, you're going to drive. You can roll on your window and you can slap your face as you drive, but you got to get down here. I think I'm going to jail. You know, you know what is so sad? I got tickled about this after the fact because, you know, it's, it's like after one, you know, on Sunday morning, you know, middle of the night here and here I'm a preacher. That's what I do for a living. I preach sermons. I'm a pastor of a church. And here was my thought process. I kid you not. I was thinking, okay, if I can make bell at eight, eight o'clock, I may be able to still preach the nine 30. I'm thinking, how sad is that? Well, Annette shows up with my license and the guy was gracious. And when he saw them, he said, okay, for whatever reason, didn't come to our system, but take off, get that medicine to your daughter. Don't speed again. And I drove away and I was excited for lots of reasons. I was getting the medicine to Morgan. I was excited because, um, you know, I wasn't going to spend the night with people I didn't know. And I was also excited that uh, I didn't even get a ticket. I love that. I broke the law. I offended the city of Hamilton, Ohio. And in the midst of all of that, you know what they said? We're just going to act like it didn't happen. We're just going to forget about it. We're just going to forgive you. Well, what do you want me to do? Just just go away. We'll make it go away. Just go ahead. It's just, it's all gone. It's just, it's as if it never took place in our minds. We're just not going to, the debt that you owe us as a city, we're just going to cancel. I love it when that happens to me. I love it when it happens in relationships. I, I love it when somebody says, I, I forgive you. Unfortunately, in our marriage, Annette says it to me often. I forgive you, Rick. Really? Really? I, I'm okay. You don't need to worry about it anymore. I love it when Annette just says to me, Rick, it's okay. I'm really okay, and it's okay. And I say, you're really okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I love it. I love being the recipient of that. I have noticed that when I'm offended, and when the injury is to me, sometimes it's hard for me to immediately forgive. I, I think that we all understand because we all have been hurt. What is interesting to me this morning is that I realize when I talk about this stuff, there's nobody in the room saying, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't get it. I don't relate to it. Everybody in the room has been offended, has been hurt. Because we live with human beings. And we hurt each other. And we know what it's like to say, okay, that was wrong. That should have not happened. And that was to me. I was the recipient of that ill behavior. And it wasn't right. We all know what it's like to make those kind of declarations. Okay, he shouldn't have said it. And he said it to me, and that hurt. And somebody should apologize and make this right because it's not right. We all know what that feeling is of, I was offended, I was hurt by their action. We, we, we know what that's like when somebody does that to us. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk for the next uh, few weeks um, in a series that we're calling Crosswords. And, and we're just taking some time during the season of Lent as we move toward the cross and as we move toward the resurrection to think about the words that Jesus uttered from the cross. 
And today we're going to focus on the words that after being beaten with rods and after being whipped with a whip and after being stripped of his clothes and hung on a cross, Jesus says, literally, the word that Luke gives us, Father, is there any way we could let this go? Could we lay it to the side? Could we just put this away? Could we forgive these people for what they're doing to me right now? Powerful words from the cross. If you ask me to describe an execution in the United States of America, I would say, well, uh, briefly, probably something like this. It's a, it's a long walk. The person is asked to lay on a table. They are strapped to the table. Uh, a needle is placed in their body. And then a combination of drugs that is lethal is injected. It is done in such a way that the person will first fall asleep and then their heart will stop beating and they will stop breathing and they die. The, the Romans weren't quite as clean and neat. Jesus had already been beaten with rods. He had been mocked. And he had been whipped. The, the, the law called for 40 lashes, save one. 39 licks. I, I remember the only time that I ever watched The Passion of the Christ. I, I would struggle to want to watch it again. It was hard. For me to watch. And I remember the hardest part was when Jesus' wrists were chained to a whipping post and he was being whipped, and, and they graphically showed the woven metal or rock in the whip, the ends of the whip. And, and I remember at one point just kind of curling up and just saying, That's enough. What is the point of continuing to whip this man? I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. What? Just stop. They, they hurled insults at him. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They, um, they stripped him of his clothes. And in that modest society, the intention was just humiliation. The whole deal that I read to you about the wine vinegar was really um, probably brought by compassionate people, uh, served as a, nar a narcotic to help ease pain, which its effects were uh, very little in that kind of situation. It wasn't uncommon to put the charge of the criminal on the cross. They put on his cross, King of the Jews, and there Jesus hangs on the cross. And, and he is dying. And it's in that 
In that moment that Jesus says to the Father, do you think there's any way we could let this go? Any way we could just lay this to the side? Is there any way the actions of these people we could just put away? Father, could we forgive these people for what they're doing? I want to give you just a a few verses of Scripture on the screen. The first is found in the book of Ephesians, and it's in chapter 4. Verse 32. And, And the reason I wanted to give you a few verses is just to show you that this is just the message of the Bible. And so I'll come from from a few different places. But the Apostle Paul says, Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So in this verse, we see the basis for our forgiveness is the fact that we have been forgiven. See, when I think about the fact that, that my sin put Jesus on the cross. And then Jesus says, It's okay, Rick, I forgive you. And then he says, now I want you to forgive those who have offended you. Look at the book of Colossians chapter 3 verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. And then again, we find the same phrase in the same basis. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And so I, I put Jesus on the cross by my very own sin. And he says, it's okay, Rick, I'm going to forgive you. For all of your sin, now I want you to go forgive others because I've forgiven you. When you go to the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verse 21, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, Simon Peter, but 77 times. So Peter is saying, if, if he sins against me and I forgive him once and he does it again, do I forgive again and then again and then again and again and again and again? And Jesus says, not, not seven, 77 times. And then in the book of Mark, let me give you one other. Chapter 11, verse 25. And when you stand praying, when you go to worship, when you spend time with God, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him. So that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. I I, I have interesting conversations with lots of people in my life. None that would quite compare to the one a few years ago over lunch one day. He was about my age. And he wanted to talk about His wife being murdered years ago. Stabbed 77 times. I'm sorry, I've got a verse of scripture in my head. She was stabbed 44 times. After she was stabbed to death, her body was wrapped in a blanket and the gentleman shoved it under her bed. He said, we were both in a bad place in our lives. If it wasn't for drug use, none of this would have happened. We were both messed up. He said, I remember sitting in court. And as they were going through the gruesome details of the murder. 
He looks over his shoulder. He makes eye contact with me knowing I was her, her husband. And a smile came across his face. He referred to him being subhuman. And he said they counted his jail time and they counted every day that he served a gift of a day. And so he spent 17 years in prison. And so today he's walking the streets. Somebody said to me recently, he said, uh, well, he served a sentence. And he said, my thought was, well, when is my sentence up? Or the three children she left behind, when is their sentence up? My son, he said, was a baby when she was murdered. When is his sentence in? He said, I came to church last Sunday, Pastor Rick, and I sat down and this couple comes in and they sat down in front of me. They're both wearing rings. They're married. He puts his arm around her and she scoots over a little closer. And I felt cheated. And the thought that crossed my mind is I wonder if he has a girlfriend or a wife. I wonder if he enjoys today what he took from me. And so I said to him, now that you have become a Christian in these last couple of years, what does forgiveness look like as you think about this man and what has happened in your past? And I remember he said to me, I knew that God was doing something in my life. I knew that Jesus was changing my heart when one day I realized I no longer want to take his life. I knew that things were beginning to change and God was giving me grace to forgive. And he said, for me, it has been a process. I think what I'm trying to say to you this morning is that forgiveness is complicated. And I would never just stand here in front of you and shrug my shoulders and say, I don't know what happened to you, but you just need to forgive. But when I look at Jesus this morning on a cross in the midst of his own execution. He says, God, do you think maybe we could just lay this to the side? Do you think maybe we could just let it go? Do you think maybe we could just put this away? Do you think we could forgive these people for what they're doing? And he gives this incredible example and he becomes the standard and he becomes the measure by which we live our lives. And he calls us with his very own words to forgive. It overwhelms me. I think what Jesus did on the cross was he said, I renounce any anger or any indignation or any resentment that I might have for you. I think what he did on the cross was he said, you know, I give up my right to be offended. I think what he did on the cross was he said, I pardon this behavior. I think what he did was he said, I'm going to cancel this debt. I think what he said was, I am willing to wipe this slate clean. I'm willing to forgive you. Strong, strong words. 
And, and he calls us to follow him. You know, <clears throat> I think if, if maybe you've lived your life with a lot of ease, you, you, might, you might be tempted to say, why, why is it so hard for people to forgive? And, and I think if maybe it's, it's kind of the opposite for you, um, and you've lived your life with a lot of pain, you, you might be tempted to say, I don't know why I can't move beyond this. I don't know why it's so hard. Well, I, I think there's just a, a long list of reasons why it is hard. I, I, I think one of the things as I've dealt with this passage this week is, is this idea of a need within us to satisfy justice. That person should not just hit off free. Uh, that person needs to pay for what they've done. That person needs to make this right. That person needs to ask for forgiveness. That person needs to apologize. That person needs to be aware of what they have done. That person needs to pay. And there is in us this sense, this need that says, I want them to satisfy, I, I rather, I, I want to be a part of the process where justice is served, where justice is satisfied. But, but when I look at Jesus, I see something very opposite. Let me give you one other verse, and I'll put it on the screen right now. And it's from 1 Peter 2.23. And here's what it says. When they hurled their insults at him. And we know what the insults were. They said, you saved others. Why don't you save yourself? And they said other things like, um, uh, if you're the Christ, if you're the Messiah, the Son of God, why can't you save yourself? It, it says, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I want retaliation. In some ways, I wanted Jesus on the cross just to make one really good statement. You know what I mean? I, I think I didn't want him to go too far. I, I don't want my Jesus to say, yeah, why don't you call me from hell, buddy? And let's see how that conversation goes. I'm not, I'm not meaning to that point. I don't want Jesus there, but I do want, there's something inside of me that says, come on, Jesus, you know, just say the truth. He didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, and, and this is key, this is crucial, this is the answer. He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. You know what he said? I can trust God with this one. I don't have to satisfy justice. I can trust God to take care of judgment. I... I kind of wonder if somebody's reacting to me saying, um, okay, Rick, I'm not Jesus. I'm sorry, but I'm not Jesus. Maybe Jesus can do that. I can't. You may want me to be Jesus. I'm not Jesus. Okay. I find hope when I go to the book of Acts. 
And I read a story about a young man whose name is Stephen, who is being stoned to death. And, and do you know what Stephen's last words are recorded? His last words are these. Lord, don't hold this against them. And I realize that this God we serve gives us grace to do what He asks us in Scripture to do. And I see a guy like Stephen doing it in the last moments of his life saying, God, forgive him. And knowing that this is for our benefit, that we can be free. And He doesn't ask us to do something that is not possible to do. I remember, I remember one day driving in my car and I was by myself and this was years ago and there was a song on the radio and it was Phillips, Craig and Dean and they were singing this song, this is what it is to be free or this is how it feels rather to be free. And it's kind of this upbeat song, this is how it feels to be free. And I, and I remember, I remember saying to God, I'm not free. I am so bound And I remember I began to cry and I was saying to God, I want to be free. Will I ever be free? And I remember the grace of God the day that I realized I could forgive and I could be forgiven. And I remember, I remember one day saying to God, I am free. I, I have a personal interest in this sermon. Because I want people to be free like I became free. I want you to participate with me for a few minutes. Would you do this? You, you received a bulletin, a worship folder when you walked in. And uh, we, we kind of designed it a little differently this week. We designed it where that if you open it up down on the bottom right hand section, there is no, um, there's no writing. And so you could just tear it just like that. And then you can fold it over. And you could, you could create for yourself this blank piece of paper. And then you could tear that off. Well, you say, Rick, what in the world would I write on that piece of paper? There might be some of you who have nothing that you could really write on this piece of paper. But I've got a feeling there's some of you who have something to write. I don't, I don't think we write anybody's name. Because we're not going to nail anybody to a cross. But when I think about what was nailed to the cross, I realize that Jesus took my sin to the cross. And, and I've been having this song in my mind this week. It's a hymn I, I grew up singing, It Is Well With My Soul. And, and the verse that I was singing was, My sin... Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed where? To the cross. And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. And so he took to the cross our sin and the effects of our sin, all of our hurt and all of our pain and all of our suffering and all of our disappointments. And all the times that we would be wronged and that we would be hurt. And that we would be offended. And that we would suffer. 
That's what he took to the cross. And you know what he promises us? Not only forgiveness, but he promises us healing. And he promises us hope. And he promises us restoration. And he promises us life. I know we're looking to the cross, but you understand Easter is coming. And this is Sunday and we're here to celebrate the resurrection. And it's life that God wants to give us. And so I don't know what you write, but if I were you and I was writing, I promise you, I would cut my hand over it where nobody could see a word I wrote. And if anybody looked at me to try to see what I was writing, I would give them a very hard look. And then I would say, I forgive you. (laughs) But I think what you're right is, is the hurt of your past, whatever that is. I think what you're right are the memories that make you crazy. I think what you're right is your own inability to forgive somebody. I think you're right. A grudge that you're holding. I think you're right about your own inability to forgive yourself. And then after you write it, I think you should fold it. Where nobody could see it. And for some of you, you're going to take that and you're going to put it in your pocket. And you're going to carry it home, and that's okay. But some of you are going to stand up with that folded piece of paper in your hand. And you're going to get up from your seat and you're going to walk to one of the crosses that's in this room. There's one back there in the middle. There's one over here and one here and one behind me and one here and here. And at the foot of the cross, there's a hammer and there's nails. And you're going to nail this to a cross. Some of you are going to feel compelled to do that. You're going to be compelled to get up and respond. You're going to feel like you ought to do that. And this week, the enemy is going to try to challenge you. And he's going to try to talk about that which you carry. And you're going to remind him, no, I don't carry that. I left it at the cross. It's going to be a reminder to you that Jesus took that on the cross for you. And in turn, he offered you forgiveness, but he offered you Hope and he offered you help and he offered you healing and he offered you life. And so Harlan is going to come and as he comes, take some time to to write and then you respond in the way that, that you choose to respond or you feel led to respond. And at any point while we're singing, if you want to stand up and if you want to move to a cross and nail this to a cross, we promise you that we will dispose of them accurately. So Father, I pray for grace today. And I pray for healing today. I pray for life today. 
I remember the day you made me free. And I want you to set somebody free today. And help us all to follow the example you gave us on the cross when you forgave. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.